This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Gas prices over $5.50 a gallon in Chicago. 90-degree days in mid-May. And Cook County named one of the worst in Illinois for air pollution levels from diesel vehicles. If ever you needed a reason to switch to electric vehicles, it seems like now might be the time. But how can you pay for them? And where can you charge them? Starting in July, people and businesses hoping to buy an electric vehicle or install a charging station will be eligible for a state rebate or grant. Joining us now to discuss what goes into setting standards to build the necessary charging stations is Albert Walters III. He's the executive director of Powering Chicago. That's a partnership of electricians in the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 134, and the Electrical Contractors Association. Welcome to the show, Albert. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am a huge fan. Oh, thank you. Appreciate you being on the show. Uh, Powering Chicago, Albert, uh, it works with electricians and with contractors, as I mentioned. What are the conversations that you're hearing right now about how people are feeling about the transition to EV? Well, we're hearing a lot of uh, different information and different um, opinions about electrification of transportation. But the fact is that there is a big push to make that shift towards the electrification of transportation. And there's going to be, there's going to be a need for an infrastructure put in place to make sure that we meet those needs. Mm-hmm. Well, some folks say that jobs in gas stations will be lost with the transition to electric vehicles. So from your perspective, what, what kinds of jobs are there with, with building and maintaining these charging stations? Well, there's a lot of job opportunities within the uh, building the infrastructure. And that's one of the things that Power in Chicago and its partners are very proud of. We're preparing our members with an exciting and intensive training program, a pre- apprenticeship program that incorporates over 8,000 hours of in the classroom and on the job training. But there's also training specific when it comes to the infrastructure, and that is the electrical vehicle transport, the electrical vehicle infrastructure training program. Of course, we love acronyms, so EVITP is the acronym that we use. And it was established by industry stakeholders, including automakers, utilities, and electrical vehicle supply equipment manufacturers, all with the purpose of creating a standard to ensure that when we do have the infrastructure in place, that is reliable and safe for the public to use. Talk about the, uh, the standard, Albert, that you're, you're hoping to set for the installation of these stations. Yes. Well, the standard that we're hoping to set is to really ensure that when the transportation has moved towards the electric vehicles, that it is safe and reliable. Power Chicago and its partners have a longstanding relationship with being involved with some of the most mission-critical projects in Chicago, and that includes hospitals, that includes municipalities, buildings, and the infrastructure that makes up our vertical buildings as we sit right now. So Power Chicago has the relationship we have the reputation of having the best skilled electricians in the industry today. What would happen if there isn't a standard? Well, of course, if there isn't a standard, we run the potential of making this transition to electrification of transportation very difficult. For instance, with, with the Chicago coal, which is very extensive, very, very, uh, limiting as far as, I'm sorry, not limiting, but very, um, intricate in its detail, ensuring that there's a safe electrical infrastructure. There isn't an issue with having that particular uh, transition here in Chicago. However, if we were to move into different states, let's say Kentucky, 
where the standards are much, much lower, or any other area, right? Mm -hmm. It makes it more difficult for that that transition to take place. You mentioned um, your partnership has an extensive apprenticeship program. Tell us more about the training that you're doing with these electricians, you know, making sure that they're up to speed with installing and maintaining the charging stations. Well, thank you for that. That's a great question. So back in 2015, uh, our industry leaders were able to build a renewable energy campus. And so although this may seem like a new transition um, for renewable energy sectors and sustainable energy to a lot to most, we've been preparing our particular individuals in our network and our, in our industry for this transition for quite some time. In 2015, we built a campus, and there, again, because of the foundational knowledge that we have, we're able to build on that knowledge. So whenever there is something new, because of the foundational knowledge that we have, we're just able to just add on to that. And that's why we are the best choice when it comes to um, having the installations and securing installations that are safe and reliable for the public. Is it important to you that um, electricians and, and contractors be, be thought of as central players here in this transition? Absolutely. I think it's very important. And the reason why it's so important is because the partnership between the two is one that is needed. Because of the unique partnership that we have, we're able to invest in one another. We collaborate and communicate in making sure that uh, our end users, our customers, and our clients mm-hmm. have that safe, reliable installation, and that's the beauty about our partnership. We ensure that the end user and our partners, and that is the customers, have the best opportunity to enjoy the safe and reliable installation. What is it that you you wish the end user knew that we probably don't on the, on the customer level when it comes to electric vehicles and using them safely and charging them properly? Well, that's another great question. Of course, as an end user, you just want the, the devices to work. Right. You want to be able to plug your electrical vehicle And we're impatient, too. Know that it's going to absolutely, and know that it's going to work. And that's the same for any light switch. That's the same for any outlet and a plug. But there's a lot that goes into making sure that it's safe and reliable. Uh, a lot of the work that we do is to make sure that when individuals use that device, they can go on without without any worry, any care. A lot of the work we do within the community is the same. And so because of the training that we install for our, our, our apprentices, the training, the continuing education that we have for our clients, for our partners, for our electrical contractors, we're able to ensure that whatever new component comes out, that it's going to be a safe install and one that end users can rely on when it comes to using our unionized electrical contractors and partners. And by safe install and, and reliable, what do you mean specifically? But, well, what I mean is that there's no worry. In other words, when you have a union electrical contractor and its members install those components, those electrical components, that electrical infrastructure, you can be assured mm-hmm. that it is safe from all hazards. Of course, um, this is one thing that I think that uh, a lot of our end users are aware of for those who are continued partners with Power Chicago. But my hope is that for those who don't know about the level of quality that we put into not only our training program, but the level of quality that we put into our work, that it translates when they go to utilize their device and they can walk away knowing that they, they are safe.
You mentioned other states, Albert. Will charging stations be installed and maintained in, in similar ways across state lines? Well, that's the beauty about having the electrical vehicle infrastructure training program. Because that standard is set in states across um, the Midwest and hopefully across more states, I think there's 47 states right now that are utilizing this program, this will help make sure that those who are utilizing the infrastructure and the devices they're in can do it safely and ensure that the transition between the gas-powered vehicles to electrical vehicles is accepted and making a transition without any issues. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And if you are just tuning in, we're talking about installing electric charging stations with Albert Walters III. He is the executive director of Powering Chicago. Now, Albert, next week, the uh, second annual EV charging infrastructure summit of North America is going to be happening right here in Chicago. So what are you hoping to, to get out of it? Well, you know, I'm eager to join some of the panelists. I mean, those are some of the greatest minds in the industry. Mm-hmm. Will you be speaking? Transition. Yes, yes. Actually, I will be speaking. And I will be speaking about the workforce development, one that I am very uh, passionate about. And um, it's an opportunity to me not only to hear some of the great information around the industry, but also to share some of what things that we are doing, some of the incentives and programs that we have within our within our industry when it comes to providing and supplying and supporting that transition to electrification of transportation. And uh, starting in July, the Illinois EPA is going to begin providing funding for uh, electric vehicle charging stations. Can you talk more about that, Albert? People can use that for for installation and maintenance costs, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So the Illinois Environmental Protection Agency will provide funding through a changing incentive program. And that means that up to 80% of level two and level three charger installation costs will be funded through public and private organizations. Of course, that includes labor costs. It includes materials. So this is a great opportunity for those who are thinking about making that transition to take advantage of this particular opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, if, if people are listening and, and uh, interested in potentially installing a charging station at their home or maybe their business, what do you recommend they do first? Like, where, where would you begin? Well, the, of course, the first step would be visiting Power in Chicago's website and using the Find a Contractor tool, or they can use the Electrical Vehicle Infrastructure Training Program tool to find a qualified contractor, specifically a qualified union contractor. But on Power in Chicago's website, we created an ebook that lays out seven steps to consider for those who are looking at making that transition. The first step, I think, for anyone would be to assess their needs, and that's a site assessment, and that includes checking out your current electrical infrastructure. The next step would be to plan and prepare for construction. I'm sorry, to plan your EV infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And the planning EV infrastructure includes doing a proper layout, deciding whether or not you want to go and use a level 2 AC or DC fast charger or level 3 charger. It also includes the physical barriers that need to protect and more. Um, The third step would be to prepare the construction budget. And this includes looking into those grants like the charging incentive program that we talked about. Of course, you might want to contact your utilities. The next step would be to secure the needed permits. And this is where 
having a contractor, specifically a unionized electrical contractor, plays a role because we are licensed and insured and we're familiar with the permitting process. Mm-hmm. You mentioned... Next, you want to... Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm go sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, no, you no, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, there's just two more steps. The sixth step would be to complete the installation and, of course, any commissioning that goes into play. And the last step will be, of course, developing a maintenance plan. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking you talked about the that step where you sort of... Uh, the difference between uh, you're choosing the difference between chargers. Does that just depend on which vehicle you have? No, it does not uh, depend on what vehicle you have. That depends on um, whether or not your facility wants to lower the charging time that it would take to charge a vehicle. Oh, okay. Whatever level you choose. So level one is typically a lower charge, a lower speed. Level two is a particular is the in between speed, and level three is the fastest speed that we have currently available. Gotcha. And so six or seven steps there, but overall, is this a lengthy process, or can it be done pretty quickly? Well, again, depending on the project, it might take some time. But again, having a, a trusted and familiar partner that is aware of all the processes can make this an easy transition and an easy process to go through. Very interesting. That was Albert Walters III. He is the executive director of Powering Chicago. Thanks for breaking that down for us, Albert. Thank you for having me. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Now, we just heard about creating a standard for charging station installation. But let's turn now to the health implications of switching to electric vehicles. And we know that EVs play a key role in reducing carbon emissions to slow the planet's rising temperature. But they're also hugely important for the health of our lungs. So here to tell us more is Brian Urbaszewski. He is the Director of Environmental Health at Respiratory Health Association of Metropolitan Chicago. Welcome back, Brian. Hi, Sasha. So the Illinois Climate and Equitable Jobs Act, it, it set a bold goal of having one million all-electric vehicles on Illinois roads by 2030. In your view, Brian, why is accomplishing this such an urgent matter? Well, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, we're, there's a lot of different components in uh, vehicle exhaust that are just dangerous. Um, Harvard put out a report a few years ago, and they estimated that vehicle pollution in the U.S. causes uh, almost 20,000 deaths a year. Uh, and that's, that's significant uh, just from breathing the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at diesel vehicles alone, it's almost half of that. And that's interesting because diesel vehicles are only about 4% of the vehicles on the road but they're a much more significant generator of air pollution. So uh, getting rid of those emissions that cause things like asthma attacks, heart attacks, premature deaths uh, is going to be hugely important for health. Mm-hmm. And global warming is also another component to that. Uh, I mean, global warming is, is, a, is a problem, but it's, in my view, a health problem as well, uh, because heat is going to cause more people to die, especially medically vulnerable people are going to die in heat waves. We all know what happened in 1995 in Chicago. Um, and more heat also drives things like ozone smog during the summer. So you get more air pollution and the heat from global warming is also making more wildfires, which are, even though a lot of them are out West, uh, a lot of that soot is actually being carried into the Midwest and all the way to the East coast. And that's that dangerous fine particles that we're talking about. Yeah. You mentioned diesel vehicles there. Let, let's dig into that earlier this week, a report ranking the worst diesel pollution by county in Illinois that was released, and it's, it's pretty damning, Brian. So tell us more about the results. 
Well, we put out a report looking at the uh, the impact of diesel exhaust here in Illinois. And, uh, you know, it's the dirty dozen. So we looked at the top 12 counties in Illinois that have the greatest exposure. Uh, in Illinois itself has a 21% greater exposure to diesel soot than the national average. So we're unfortunately above average for how much air pollution we have. Um, and Illinois only has about 3.8% of the nation's population, but we're seeing about 4.7% of the premature deaths from diesel exhaust. And those those numbers are pretty stark. I mean, in Illinois, generally, we're seeing uh, what we would expect to see in 2023 is 416 deaths from breathing diesel exhaust, 199 heart attacks, and over 5,000 asthma attacks. Uh, that's statewide. If you focus on just the top 12 counties, um, you're looking at about 77% of those deaths and 80% or so of the health effects occurring just in those counties. And they focus you know, primarily in the Chicago metro region mm-hmm. and a little bit in, in the metro east area down by St. Louis. So when we think of the health impact then of, of diesel pollution from, from cars and trucks, who does it affect most, Brian? Well, you know, it, obviously it's going to affect the people living in those areas. Um, and, you know, when you look at things like, uh, you know, who's, who's going to be most vulnerable to it, you have to look at things um, like asthma. Um, you know, roughly one in 10 people have asthma uh, in Illinois, but it varies a lot. Uh, if you have black ancestry, you're at a higher risk of having an asthma diagnosis. If you're low income, you're at higher risk. Women are at greater risk than men from being diagnosed with asthma. Um, and that's a challenge because you often have areas in the state where you have um, you know, concentrations of diesel exhaust, people living along highways, people living near rail yards and freight yards and other big sources of diesel exhaust are often the most vulnerable people, uh, you know, in terms of lung disease. Uh, so it's having the people who are most vulnerable in the worst possible uh, geographic situation right next to these major sources of air pollution. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's, that's unfortunately, um, you know, minorities are more concentrated in urban areas and they often are living in these areas closer to these major sources. So our report only looks at the county level, but when you get down to the micro level, the neighborhood level, the community level, um, you know, you can see much higher risk uh, for, for people living right next to these sources. When we think about transitioning to electric vehicles, we, we might think of individual cars, right? But trucks are a big part of this. Talk about that. Correct. Trucks, buses, et cetera. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that's going on right now across the country is that there are, there's, 17 states that have gotten together and signed an agreement to work together to reduce um, diesel emissions by encouraging uh, the purchase of zero emission large vehicles, buses, trucks, delivery vans, et cetera. And, uh, and you know, what we're seeing is that they, they have set a goal of saying 30% of new vehicles sold in 2030 of that big size would have to be zero emission. So we're talking about electric trucks, electric buses, school buses, transit buses, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, almost a third of them would have to be sold as zero emission vehicles. And the goal is to have 100% of those vehicles sold by 2050 be that same no tailpipe, zero emission type of vehicle. Um, and last year, the legislature passed resolutions, the Illinois House and the Illinois Senate passed resolutions urging Governor 
uh, Pritzker to sign on to that agreement that 17 states are already on and to work towards those goals. And as of right now, he, he still has not uh, decided to sign on to that and work towards uh, reaching those goals, which you know we think would be very beneficial not only for uh, the health of Illinois residents over the long term, but you know in terms of dealing with global warming. And, you know, we're actually building um, electric vehicles here in Illinois. Uh, there's an electric school bus and truck factory that's almost ready to start producing them in Joliet. And, you know, unfortunately, what we see right now, if the situation doesn't change, is that those great electric school buses and electric trucks are going to be shipped to places like, you know, New Jersey or Oregon or California that are working towards getting more electric vehicles on the road. And they're not going to show up on Illinois roads, and they're not going to be providing benefits here. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And if you are just tuning in, we're talking about the latest on Illinois' goal of having one million electric vehicles on roads by 2030 and what that means for our environment and for our health. With us to discuss is Brian Urbaszewski. He is the Director of Environmental Health at Respiratory Health Association of Metropolitan Chicago. Now, Brian, the Illinois Climate and Equitable Jobs Act it includes grants or rebates for EVs and charging stations. So remind us, who's eligible and what will the rebate program do? Well, the the the, um, the CJ bill has provisions in it for setting up a uh, EV rebate for consumers. So if you buy an electric car or an electric pickup truck or uh, or you know other light duty vehicle, um, the state program is going to be awarding four thousand dollar E rebates. Um, Interestingly, it's for new and used uh, electric vehicles. You can get it for for both. Uh Um, And you can also get a a, there's a fifteen hundred dollar rebate for electric motorcycles, which are a new new thing. Um, But to be clear, these vehicles have to be highway legal and have license plates. So we're not talking scooters or e-bikes or, you know, other types of uh, skateboard type vehicles. These have to be, you know, vehicles that can run on a highway. Um, We're hopeful that the program will be up and running in July. Uh, The Illinois EPA is charged with running the program. And right now they're in the process of kind of fleshing out the rules as to how this program will operate. Um, And, you know, devil's always in the details. And so we're optimistic that they're going to get those done. Um, And it's, you know, there's been some changes to the rules that I know about. Um, There's uh, language that's been added that I think will – uh, make sure that citizens and non-citizens living in Illinois will be able to get the rebate. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, there's going to be rules to, to check, hopefully, that a, a car that you're buying hasn't gotten a rebate in the past and mm-hmm. is eligible because you wouldn't want to buy an EV and then find out after the fact that, oh, that vehicle got a rebate and, you know, back in 2015, and it's disqualified. Yeah. Um, and I think you I think you covered this, Brian, but we, we got a tweet from listener Andrew Mack, who says, are electric bicycles included in the plan to move away yeah. from fossil fuel vehicles? He says, my family of four lives here in Chicago, purchased an electric cargo bike last year for about $2,000, was much more reasonable than a full automobile, and it's been a game changer. Yeah, I understand there's huge benefits from electric cycling and these other vehicles that are used for neighborhood commuting. Unfortunately, the the way the law was set up, it didn't allow for that. It's just looking at the larger electric vehicles, you know, electric cars, buses, pickup trucks, or electric vans, pickup trucks, SUVs, 
and electric motorcycles that are highway legal. I mean, there's no reason that we can't expand that in the future, and that would be a wonderful thing to do, but at at present, we're kind of limited. And unfortunately, we're also kind of limited in the amount of money that's available for this. Um, There's a a lot of money. There's $18.5 million that is in this year's state budget for for electric vehicle rebates. That pencils out to about 4,500 rebates. Um, And that's great, and that sounds like a lot, but there were 12,500 EVs sold in Illinois last year, and EV sales are growing at about 85% a year. So that money is going to run out at some point in time. So we're interested in making sure that it's sufficient in future years to make sure that everybody who wants to apply for a rebate can get one. And to make sure it's relevant to to lower-income communities, too. Right. Well, that's why... Because these are expensive. Yes. And that's why the used provision is in there. Low-income applicants are also supposed to be prioritized in the Illinois EPA rebate program. And I know they're still working out the exact details as to how they're going to do that. But there is a focus to make sure that these vehicles show up in the neighborhoods where they're not right now. Um, And just like, you know, electric chargers too, the state electric charging program, uh, you were talking to the gentleman earlier, um, you know, there, there are extra rebates. There are more, there's more money given to electric chargers that the public can use Mm -hmm. that are going to show up in areas that are low income and underserved right now. That's Brian Urbaszewski, Director of Environmental Health at Respiratory Health Association of Metropolitan Chicago. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Sasha.